Divine Truth Assistance Group. These group assistance sessions are about putting principles of divine truth into action. This discussion is part of the 2014 Australia Group 1 series. Jesus presents forgiveness and repentance concepts. Filmed on the 15th of July 2014 in Monterey, New South Wales, Australia. This is part two. How are we doing so far? Yeah. Ronnie, if we come down to you. How are we going, Igor? I should have asked first. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, I'm not really still sure on the any time in our later life bit. Sorry, you're not sure of? Or, or any time in our later life. Yes. So what, like I get the childhood... Let, let's say that. let's say a guy came along and raped you today. Would he have harmed you? Yes. And would he have caused causal hurt to your soul? Yes. Probably. Yes. So, so in other words, he would be a person you would have to forgive. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's not now. That would have been related to potentially other events that happened in your childhood. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, often they find that a lot of people who have had abuse in their childhood yeah. finish up being raped in later life. So that, you know, you could see a relationship between there. So that you may actually have things happen where you have to forgive this guy for what he's done, but also it's linked to forgiveness related to something that you hadn't forgiven yeah. earlier in your life. Does that make sense? And this is what often happens. We attract events that, that are showing us what we haven't forgiven. Okay. Yeah? Yep. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Barbara, thank you. On that, what about um, not having memories of certain things? So going through um, repentance and forgiveness, would eventually those memories surface because you're in only in denial because you don't want to know them at this stage. Correct, yeah. Well, why do we not have memories? Denial. Denial. No. That tells us that uh, we, there's things we don't want to remember. Okay? If there's things we don't want to remember, what's our first opportunity? What's the first thing we would need to do? Have a will, uh, in, you know, take our will to um, have a desire to remember. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yep. Most of us don't want to do that because? Fear. No. No? No. Because we don't want to be overwhelmed, emotionally overwhelmed with the results of what the memory, the memory that's there. So, so, for example, many people who have childhood trauma such as violent abuse or sexual abuse often do not remember it in their adult life. Why is that? Because they don't want to. And why is that? Because it's traumatic. Yeah, it's true. I don't want to feel the pain. Yeah. And we don't want to feel the pain. It's going to be emotionally overwhelming to feel the pain, so we try to shut it down. We try to prevent it. We do everything we can. We eat, drink, do all a heap of other addictive things in order to prevent that pain. That's what we do. Right? We need to stop doing those things if we're ever going to come to the truth. You see, you're still going to have to do some of the things we've been talking about, right? But because you've got to get to a point of awareness... And awareness doesn't come just magically. Awareness comes at the control of your soul. It's not like when you're ready. You're not ever ready until you desire to be ready. So if I ever hear another person say I wasn't ready, I'll scream, I think. There's one of my feelings. (laughs) That I have to forgive. (laughs) 
No, I'm just joking. This guy. Now, receiving God's love requires that I forgive others or myself for, for our, in other words, others or my own unloving choices. Right? And by the way, forgiveness in this, in this context is not the same as forgiveness in a natural love context because the natural love context is you, you've, you've forgiven because you've had 2,000 years and you've forgotten about it. In fact, there's a statement in the pageant message that says forgiveness is forgetfulness. Well, it's not forgetfulness intellectually. It's emotional forgetfulness. Do you understand the difference? There is a difference, isn't there? You can still remember some events. That you, like the child who goes through an event right now where they hurt their leg. They cry and cry and cry, let it all go. And then the two days later, there's a bit of a scar on their leg and uh, they remember the event still, but do they cry about it? No, because it's completely released. The emotional signature of the event is gone. That's what we mean by forgetfulness. The emotional signature has to be gone. So receiving God's love requires that I forgive. In other words, that the emotional signature of what they did to me is gone. From inside of me. That's what it requires. Okay. Suffering cannot cease until I forgive. Why? Because the law of compensation is acting upon my soul's refusal to forgive. Does that make sense? So, law of compensation is telling me, man, prodding, 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 prodding. And the law of compensation is, is, is the direct result of my refusal to forgive. And the law of compensation causes things to happen as a direct result of my refusal to forgive so that I know that I'm refusing. And so it's, if you like, our choice to refuse the proddings of the law of compensation is causing our pain and suffering. Does that make sense? Our choice to refuse what the law of compensation is trying to show you is the result that, that in the end causes pain and suffering. It's our choice to do that. So all of your physical pain right now, completely the result of a choice you are making to refuse the proddings of the law of compensation. Sorry. I feel like I'm hearing the words, but I'm just really mixed up yep. inside about it all. That's okay. And um, so, so it's like the dog in Mary Simpson's thing. <laughs> yeah, like I'm having trouble taking it in. Yeah, no, I'm just honestly, so... this is very, for, for a lot of people, very difficult <laughs> concepts to accept because most of us have within us very deep refusals to both repent and forgive. Like, and there's a lot of fear. What's going to happen if I forgive? What's going to happen if I repent? You mean that others get away with it? That's not fair. There's all these emotions that all come up and, and it's just going to be a bit of a menagerie of emotions in there for a while as you contemplate some of these things. Yeah, I just feel like I haven't been doing it right. 
you know, like... Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's like, God, just that's that, okay, like... The, like the realisation and then the fear that comes up with So that. what's the fear? Is it fear? See, see, the fears associated with realisations of truth are only figments of your past. So, so in other words, what happened when you were a child and you didn't do something right? I just got into trouble. Yeah, what kind of trouble? Oh, it's like belittled and... Yeah, humiliated, and humiliated belittled, punished, and, probably even violently, yeah. many of us, yeah. right? So, so that's the signature, that's the emotional signature that prevents the understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah. You think God's going to do that with you. So I keep trying to understand everything so I can get it right all the time. And no, just like... sit there, Phil. Just sit there, Phil. This is a process that you're going to have to go through to understand. Right? An emotional process you're going to have to go through to understand. Yeah. So you don't have to worry too much. God's not punishing. God's... The law of compensation is already working on your soul. The pain you're in right now is a direct consequence of the refusal to forgive and repent. Does that make sense? The pain in your life right now is a direct consequence of it. You, it there's no more that will happen. <laughs> You're already ha it's already happening. <laughs> Paul, thanks. I'm, I'm wondering in a practical sense how the law of compensation is, is acting upon uh, myself or ourselves. You Can know? I discuss that in our next thing about in practice yep because there's a lot of material like what i would classify as really introductory material to present to you still and what we want to do before again before we answer too many more of your questions is present some more introductory material and then we've got to get on to answering some of these questions that you have that are out you know that where you don't understand what's really going on with the laws right but let's go through the rest so forgiveness relationships now, this is, this is a really important point. Addiction relationships, in other words, a relationship between you and another person that is based around an addiction is created automatically when you refuse to forgive. Now, can you see why? Let's have a look at the dynamic. Let's say mummy rejected me and I'm a girl mummy rejected me right what kind of friends am I going to look for there'll be two types actually of friends right? so well there'll be two types of friends I'll attract and one of them I want is probably the better way of saying it uh, if we start with Lily um oh no I've gone blank <laughs> Sorry, you what? I've gone blank. You've um, gone blank. Yeah, no, um, friends who will um, pander to us and make us feel like fill the void of feeling rejected by mummy. Right, so friends that I want to fill the void and they are willing to fill the void in a codependent relationship with me. They are willing to fill the void that I have within me because I've refused to forgive my mother. Does that make sense? So there's those kind of friends. And what's the second kind of friends? Hey, Louisa. Exactly like my mother. Exactly. You, you're also attracted in your day-to-day -day life because of this feeling inside of you that needs to be corrected, you know, the refusal to forgive your mother. 
And you'll also attract people exactly like your mum who treat you and belittle you and treat you badly and treat you like you're not worth what they think you should be worth and so forth. Yep. Okay. Can you see that both of those groups of people wouldn't affect you at all if you had forgiven? In other words, you wouldn't need women to love you and care about you because your mummy didn't. And you also wouldn't need to attract into your life women who treat you badly just like your mum does in order to release the emotion. So, so can you see it will change your life in that regard? So the refusal to forgive, your refusal to forgive, automatically now causes you to want women who are going to be the opposite to your mother in your life. So that's going to cause you to establish addictions with those women Right? And it's a direct result of your refusal to forgive. Does everyone understand that? Sort of? No? <laughs> Nina, thank you. Will we need to repent for that? Sorry? Will we need to repent for that? Of course we will. Yes, that's the irony. Yeah. Everything you refuse to forgive, you will create an addiction to meet. And when you create an addiction to meet it, now you've created something you have to repent for. <laughs> you see what the trouble is we make for ourselves. Because we refuse to do the simple thing, which is just to forgive the person that, that did the damage... Right? Even though, and we refuse to be emotionally overwhelmed to go through that process, we decide, oh, I need all these people to help me. And every one of those people we are getting inf we're getting feelings from, we're, getting, we're sucking them dry, if you like. And of course, we're going to have to repent for that at some point. However, when you go through the process of forgiveness of your mother, do you think you'll do that anymore? No. No. So you'll automatically... Stop the behaviour, the sinful behaviour that you created that you would need to repent for automatically. Isn't that wonderful? Just by forgiving. <laughs> like, how simple is that? It's like, do you know what I think about all this stuff? I just think it's absolutely amazing, you know, the way God's created the soul. Because this is all about a framework that your soul exists within and everybody's soul in the universe exists within. It's really wonderful stuff. Yep. Can I continue, though? Let's have a look at the next thing. Refuse to forgive the persons who suppressed our pain. So remember, there's a difference between the creator of our pain and the suppressor of our pain. So a lot of times, like, our parents might have created our pain, but then we start crying. We go to school and we cry about what our parents did, and the, parent, the teacher says, don't do that, you know, tries to cheer you up and all that. Well, they just suppressed your pain. So there's a refusal to forgive against those is also going to create addiction relationships. The refusal to forgive others for the punishment we inflicted on ourselves at, because we needed to please them. So whenever we refuse to forgive ourselves for the punishment we inflict upon ourselves, unfortunately we continue to punish ourselves, which is actually punishing one of God's children, yourself. Right? And there will be things you need to forgive yourself for doing that for. And when you do, you won't do it anymore. So when you forgive yourself for the things that you've done wrong right, towards yourself, you won't do them anymore. They'll stop happening automatically. Right? Forget the next one. When we refuse to feel our own pain from these relationships. 
So every time you refuse to feel the pain from a relationship that has caused you pain, you are going to automatically create an addiction. Right? So can you see if you go through the process of forgiveness, a lot of addictions can disappear all at the same time. Because a lot of our addictions are all based around a relationship that we refuse to forgive the person for when they've done harm to us. Now, when we refuse to forgive, we automatically create addiction relationships in order to do what? In order to avoid our pain, in order to avoid our personal suppression of pain, in order to avoid healing our tendency to punish ourselves, and, and so forth. So we substitute pleasure for pain. This is what happens when we automatically do those things. Now, remember, those notes are going to be on the website so you don't have to worry about writing them down too much. The key is for you to feel about them. That's the main thing. Okay, so let's now look at repentance relationships, which is now describing, if you like, summarising what the same thing but in reverse, basically. So let's have a look at it. The definition of the repentance relationship is, can you see from this, every person that you have personally harmed, so a relationship with another person who we caused pain to by involving them in our addictions in order to avoid our own pain. Now, if we just leave that there for a second, you read it again. A relationship with another person who we cause pain to by involving them in our addictions in order to avoid our own pain. It gets pretty complicated, doesn't it? You think of what we're doing. Because we've refused to forgive our parents, right, what we do instead now is we create a relationship with another person and we have a whole heap of addictions now that we have met because remember, whenever we refuse to forgive, addictions are automatically created right? because of the, all of these holes, or emotional holes in our soul that we want filled from somewhere. So we create these addictions. And then, of course, in creating these addictions, we're harming someone else now. And now we're going to have to repent for those things. Right? And we could have avoided the whole thing if we, forgive, if we forgave in the first place. Can you see, like, forgiveness is something we should have been taught when we were, like, three, four, five, <laughs> rather than something when we're 50, 60, 70, right? It's a relationship with another person who we suppressed by forcing them or coercing them, or manipulating them into meeting our addictions so that we could avoid our personal pain. See, every time I try to get you, convert, coerce you, manipulate you or anything into meeting one of my addictions, I'm actually suppressing you. You're having to change you, be something different than what you actually are in order to meet my addiction. And that causes you damage. Right? And I'm going to have to repent for that damage. A relationship with myself where we purposefully or unknowingly engaged in harm to ourselves in order to avoid the personal pain resulting from our own unloving choices. <laughs> you see people do this all the time, actually. 
This is the kind of thing where somebody feels really, really sad because they, let's say they had a car accident, right, example. They had a car accident and they accidentally killed a child in the car accident. And the reason why they had the car accident is because they were out, you know, they got drunk one night or whatever and they were out drinking, you know, and they drove home drunk and they ran in head, head on into another car. And then they feel so much guilt. Remember, guilt is the avoidance of personal pain. They feel so much guilt about it that what do they do? They drink themselves silly for the rest of their life. They just get drunk every night, you know, every day. They're just drinking themselves into oblivion, right? That's personal pain they are causing to themselves in order to avoid some previous pain resulting from their unloving choices. And you're going to have to repent for that. You have to go through the emotions of why you do that, why you've chosen that, because it's an avoidance of the fact that you cause pain. So all of these kind of relationships usually begin after seven years old. Now I'm choosing this seven-year-old figure. Remember you've got to use it with a bit of latitude because each person's different. You see, what I see many of you parents doing to your children is you creating these problems before they're seven years old. You know, some of you have got really deep uh, incestuous addictions with your children uh, that began when you, they were three or four years old. Like, and some of these children, by the time they're six or seven, they've already got terrible addictions and some of them are going to turn out to be monsters. You know? like, when I say monsters, they're going to be they're narcissistic, self-involved. They're going to be the kind of people who harm other people for a long part of their life because you have done everything for them or things like that, right? So, you know, this seven-year-old figure is very flexible depending on what happened. But seven years old is when your brain usually finishes its development in terms of its size and you start to gain an emotional awareness of what's happening around you rather than just a physical one. And, uh, and that's why you start to engage your will more strongly and so after that point in time, there is a sliding scale again between that age and, and later ages where, where you end up engaging your will more fully. And I'm suggesting to you that most of your repentance relationships are going to be based around things that happened after you were seven, not before. So, and most of your forgiveness relationships are based around things that happened before you were seven. So, so I often have people come up and say, yeah, my husband, he's just terrible. He does this and he does that. And do I, should I forgive him or should I leave? And I'm just going, forgive him? I'm sorry, forgive him? Did you just say forgive him to me? Right. Who's, who do you have to forgive? Your parents for, for your desire to attract this man into your life. And you're, you know, they created all that. Who do you have to repent towards? Him. For attracting him into your life. So you're saying, should I forgive him? No, I think you should repent towards him. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're going to talk about this more, right? Because uh, that didn't go down very well at all, that one. Let's have a, have a Matthew. <laughs> Sorry, AJ, I was just going to ask you to say that one more time. Like, 
to forgive your parents for creating the desire in you to... Why did I you got attract... Confused. If, if you're in a relationship with this man, whatever he's done, you know, let's say he went and cheated on you, right? Yeah. And you're in a relationship with this man and, uh, and he went and cheated on you. Well, the question becomes, well, how did you attract this man into your life, attract a man who would cheat on you? How did you do that? Well, somebody, before you attracted this man into your life, somebody put inside of you an emotion that caused you to be open to a relationship with a man who's going to cheat on you. In other words, someone put inside of you the concept that it was okay to be in a relationship with a person who's going to cheat on you. Somebody did it. And it certainly wasn't him. Because <laughs> he wasn't there before then. <laughs> so that's the effect of not forgiving. That's the effect of not forgiving somebody. Or somebody, yeah. But somebody. not necessarily the person who you attracted. It's, the... it's definitely not the no, person definitely you attracted. Because okay. it was in you before you attracted him. So it's definitely not him. <laughs> right. Does that make sense? It's not him that needs to be like... That, that needs to, you need to forgive, it's somebody else. <laughs> somebody who created the state inside of you where you were open to a man. And see, see, everyone can fit, see, this is where you don't understand the soul yet, right? Everyone can feel the true nature and intention of everyone else. If you were sensitive emotionally, you would walk up to a person, you go, I know you're going to cheat on me. <laughs> I can feel the emotion in you. you. You know, you think men are superior, you think, you know, men have got their urges and you think you have all these beliefs and you can feel every one of them and you know now now if you enter the relationship with that person knowingly you you could say well basically it's your own fault right now most of us enter it unknowingly why because we're totally in addiction we're totally addicted to wanting that kind of a person and the law of attraction is in operation to correct our addictions why would we be addicted to wanting no the kind of person. Now, you women know many of the reasons why. You're attracted to, to naughty, bad men. Why? Because at some point, you're going you're to change them and turn them into this really nice fellow who really loves you. And that's going to make you feel special and unique. And it's going to make you just feel powerful. It's going to make you feel like you're the best woman in his whole life. All the women before, <laughs> before you weren't as good as you are. It's going to make you feel all of these nice things, right? That's why you try to do it. But of course, it doesn't work out that way because all of those things are addictions. Right? And our addictions created because we refuse to forgive. There was somebody in our past, probably our dad, who had, and probably our mother, who had, a, who had the attitude that men play around and you've got to put up with that. And, and also had the attitude that as long as the man thinks you're his like, goddess it doesn't really matter what he does he can go and cheat as long as he still thinks that you're the goddess right? he can have sex with other women that's fine as long as he thinks you're the goddess as long as you're the muse you know as long as you're the one that gets all the adoration and attention everything's fine these are all addictions right we wouldn't have attracted that man if we were conscious of the fact that this was the kind of man we're attracting we'd go i don't want that doesn't even matter if he's my soulmate. I'm not living with him until he sorts that out. Isn't that what we would do? Right? So the reality is, here's an example of what... See, most people go, that he cheated on me. Oh, I'm angry with him. You know, 
I suppose I have to forgive him. No, you don't. You have to repent for the fact that you attracted him into your life because you refused to forgive somebody else. So you're, you're, you're making like all, all of that of, of issues and stuff like that, you have to repent for the fact that you've now dragged someone else into all of that and, and involved them in all of that and Correct. projected that onto them and you've had this yucky them shit in all relationship. all your drama because right. you refuse to forgive somebody else in your childhood. Yeah. So you can't blame them for that? No, you can't. <laughs> okay. Like, you can't. <laughs> How can you blame them? Like... They, were, they weren't there in your childhood when you, when you first had that injury and they weren't there with your choice to not deal with that injury. It was probably your parents also told you not to deal with it. You know, there's two things to forgive them for. But, but the person you just attracted probably wasn't that person who was there. Do you follow? I do, but I still want to say, but they did the bad <laughs> thing, though. But, they did but, the bad thing. <laughs> I can feel the butts coming at me. Like, fair enough. You want to go but, but, but. But I'm telling you. Okay. This is why you don't forgive. This is why you don't repent, because you're not even seeing the truth of what's going on in every relationship. Right. I can't blame my ex-wife, ex-partner, whatever, for, for, for the fact that I attracted her into my life. That was my choice. When are you going to own up to your own choices? <laughs> when? And then when they go away and do something that is in harmony with my soul condition because I refuse to forgive something in my childhood, what can I expect? Of course that's what they were going to do. I attracted that kind of person for a reason because I have refused to forgive somebody else. Now I'm not talking about where somebody, where you're at one with God and somebody actually comes along and harms you, right? If that actually happened, you know what? You wouldn't feel any sadness at all. You would, you would automatically repent, forgive because when you're at one with God, you forgive as the deed occurs. This is how God forgives. See, God forgives. When you're at one with God, somebody can be punching you in the nose and you're forgiving them before they even begin to do it because you can feel their intention to do it and you're already forgiving them for that. That's where you're headed. If you really want to forgive, that's where it will be in the end. Does that make sense? So, so, so how are you going to get from where you are now, which is, I don't want to bloody forgive anybody <laughs> because they all did the damage and, I, and they should go and fix everything. <laughs> right? Bearing in mind that it's pretty impossible to fix what's inside of you if you refuse to do anything about it, but, but that's how we feel. And, and so what we do is we blame them, blame them, blame them, blame them for the rest of our life, you know. And, of course, we never forgive. And so what are we on? We're on the natural love path where the law of compensation is going bang, 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 bang at us all the time because we refuse to forgive. I didn't say that the divine love path was fair <laughs> in terms of your in terms of your concept currently of fair, because to me it's very fair, but God's concept of fair. Right? And you want it to be fair, your concept of fair. To be frank with you, this is what your concept of fair is, right? If that person 
did something to me, I should be able to do that to that person. That's your concept of fair. And that's exactly what most of you do in your day-to-day life. If that person gets angry with me, or even if I think they're angry with me, that gives me enough feelings inside to feel like I can be angry in return. That's what you classify as fair. I classify that as stupid. It is stupid. What's going to happen? They do something to me, I do something back then, they do something to me because they could use the same reasoning as I just used to do something back at me. And then I do something back at them and they do something back at me. Sooner or later, one of us is going to escalate, aren't we? Sooner or later, we're going to say, you've done two things now. You've done three things now. That warrants a bazooka. <laughs> a gun's not enough. Uh, and, then, and then it's four things, five things. That, that, that warrants an atomic bomb. You know, like just a normal conventional warhead's not enough. This is where we go. This is how we think. That, you call that fair. That's not fair. How is that fair? No one benefits from that. All of, every person in that cycle is destroyed through the process of the cycle. That's not love. It's never going to be love. But that's what you believe is fair. That's how you feel things should happen from your hurt. You feel if somebody's hurt you, you should be able to hurt them. Or somebody should hurt them. Or, or let's say, oh, you're too nice. God should hurt them. This is a religious concept, isn't it, now? What, what is the general religious concept of God? God's going to punish all the wicked who were all wicked to me. Isn't that the concept? And where did that concept come from? Oh, I'm too nice to punish them. I love, but I want God to punish them for me. Right? All out of harmony with love, of course. God's never going to do it because it's not part of that law, right? Rizzo? We just wait for the mic. Is it possible that I need to repent to my mother because I haven't forgiven my father? And those kind of things can we deal with in more detail as we progress because because we're still not really presented with you with the whole concept before you can see the relationships of what's going on. As a quick answer to your question, yes, it is possible, depending on what you chose to do and what age you chose to do it. Does that make sense? See, if you're just a little kid and you chose to do it, do it, then my suggestion is, well, that was a lot depending upon emotions from both your mother and father as well. Then once you forgive, it's highly likely you would never do that again. You wouldn't blame your mother after you've forgiven. Does that make sense? So, so the key thing to remind yourself is if, it, if it's mum and dad, the... The majority of the time, it's going to be forgiveness that you're going to have to look at, not repentance. Right? And if it's other people you drew into your life after seven years of age, the majority of the time it's going to be repentance you're going to have to look at and not forgiveness. And there are a few exceptions, of course, but those will be very few, actually. Does that make sense? Okay, let's proceed. Let's look at the effect of the 
Repentance relationships on receiving God's love. Receiving God's love requires that I repent for my unloving choices towards others or myself. Why? Why does it require that? Well, I think it makes quite a lot of sense, doesn't it? You've purposefully harmed others. They're they're God's children. Why do you think that you should receive love now that you've permanently, permanently and, and, and not permanently, but harmed other people when, when really you have no desire to correct the harm? The feeling of repentance causes you to have a desire to correct the harm. Now, of course, this is more in line with how God feels about what you should be doing. So naturally, you will receive God's love once you repent. And suffering can't cease until I repent. Why? Well, it's quite simple. If suffering ceased before you repented, then you wouldn't bother repenting probably. (laughs) Right? You'd have no motivation to do it. Right? So God's always trying to motivate you in the right direction. All of God's laws have been created to motivate you from the place of unwillingness to love to willingness to love. And God's saying, look, part of your willingness to love is about repentance. So so what what God wants to do is provide you with motivation to get from the willingness, the unwillingness condition, to the willingness condition. So when we refuse to repent, we automatically create addictions as well. We create addictions because whenever there's a requirement of us repenting, there's damage in our soul, hurt, that is the direct result of our refusal to repent. And that hurt will naturally have created, if we don't allow ourselves to feel it, and most of us don't, that will naturally create a layer on top of addictions, which we want fulfilled. So this is where many parents go into addiction with their children. Their addiction to, with their child is, you've got to agree with me all the time. Right? Why does the parent want the child to agree with it all the time? Because as soon as the child does not agree with it, one of the parent's emotions is triggered. Right? And the parent doesn't want that, doesn't want to feel the emotion, and, so, and doesn't want to feel that they actually did something wrong. And so what, what the parent does is teach the child to agree with the parent, which is an addiction of the parent. So, for example, the parent's smacking the child and saying, I'm doing this for your own good. Right? So I'd love to use that argument in court one day, you know, like you smack somebody out walking down the street and you go to court and, and you say to them, I did it for his own good, honour, your honour. Like, <laughs> that's going to work, right? But that's what we do as parents with our children. We say we did it for their own good. I can't agree. Or quite often we say, oh, but I didn't do it very often, you know, like as if as if like the occasional violent treatment once a month or once a year was okay. Uh, Can you imagine standing before your honour and said, but I only belted him seven times his entire life. And it and it wouldn't wouldn't your honour say to you, Seven times, okay. You just admitted to six more ones than I caught you for. (laughs) What are we going to do about those? The way it works with God, God knows everything that's going on, right? 
And, and once we become at one with God, we will know everything that's gone on that we did and the damage that it did to other people. We will know. We will know and no longer have any emotional signature of it because we've gone through every emotion associated with what that damage was. Right? Laura? If we have a mic down here, Dave. He's in contemplation. <laughs> Um, I understand when a parent like uh, causes your pain or suppresses your pain, but what in um, an example of an uh, emotionally absent father that causes pain, doesn't it? But he's not—he's not intentionally malice. There's no. Yeah, but but it, but he's still doing it. So there is a certainly a compensatory effect upon his soul for the damage he's caused. What should a parent do if love? If love, remember, a sin is anything that's done that's out of harmony with love. Would, would a person who gives birth to you, who creates you, decide to completely ignore you if they loved you? No. So he's done something out of harmony with love. Whether he believes he has or not, it's immaterial. He has. It's damage, and you're going to have to at some point forgive him for it. Does that make sense? And at some point he's going to have to repent for it because he was unloving. So it's the only kind of relationship that you... that when the love's not given and that pain is there, that it's not in an addiction is before the age of seven years old with a parent. Now you're getting technical again. Yeah. Remember I said it's all through your life. So if someone doesn't love you, is that's just me not... Like, they don't have to love me. They don't. But, but your parent does. <laughs> right, I get you. Well, can you see the difference? A person is just a person on the street, even your soulmate is just another person. Your parent purposefully chose to bring you into this world. They purposefully chose to do a number of things, right? And they purposefully chose to ignore their responsibility as a parent to educate the child. They personally chose to avoid the responsibility of showing the child what love is. They personally chose to avoid the other responsibilities, what I'd classify as sins of omission, is what they did. They omitted to do a lot of things they should have done. Well, remember I said there's sins of omission and there's sins of commission, and both of them are things that happen, and both of them cause damage to you, and both of them have caused pain, and so both of them are going to need to be repented for. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, God's laws, eh? They are so fine, aren't they? Yep, you can see you can see becoming at one with God. Yep, it's going to require a bit of refinement. Yep, What about I'm sort of feeling more and more in my case, um, a lot of it was my mum's feelings towards men. Yeah, and that's the intensity of the emotion and neediness that I have. Yeah. So, you know, my father was that absent father. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of repentance towards my. I mean, sorry. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yep. We even get it mixed up, but go on. Yeah. There might be a reason I forgot that. Yeah. That part. Yeah. Um, we well, see because internally the feeling you actually have is that you must have done something wrong for your father to avoid you. There, there just must have been something really, something you know, repulsive about, about me. Really. Yeah. 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 And, and so you're attempting to repent for being bad, 
and you, you think that that was going to somehow bring your father close to you. The reality is that's the wrong emotion to feel. You'll be in that emotion for the rest of your life and nothing will change because it's actually not a valid emotion in this relationship. The valid emotion is that your father, by his absence, caused you to feel like you were unworthy of a man's attention and approval. Okay, and what about my mum controlling that relationship, though? Of course, like, your, your mum wanted him out the door, right? <laughs> so, so, so how culpable is she for his absence? All right, okay, I'm, yep. She's, she's greatly culpable for his absence, but it doesn't stop the fact that your father just went along with her silly demands. He just met her addiction, he basically. Just, well, he yeah. met her addiction for control. Mm. See, a good dad would go, no, stuff your woman. I'm still wanting to have a relationship with my daughter. Does that make sense? A good man would say, and, and if he'd truly forgiven the woman, he wouldn't even say stuff you, would he? Mm. He would say, look, you're in total error there. I'm still wanted a relationship with my daughter. I want to show my daughter that, that I love her and I care about her. And I'm going to do that. And, and if it means having to take you to court 25 times, then that's probably what I'm going to do, you know, like yeah. until he ran out of money or funds and then he'd have a cry about it probably. Okay, thank uh, you so much for that clarification. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. So you can demonstrate, as a parent, you can demonstrate through your actions to the child that you care about them, even if the other parent doesn't even want you in, your, in their life. You can still demonstrate to the child that you care about them by doing all sorts of things to them. Let's say the other parent and even a court order is, is you can't have anything to do with them. Well, you could write letters to them. You could send them things that you want to send them, communicate with them. You could do all sorts of things to still show the child. If you were truly caring, this is what you would do. You would show the child that you love them. You wouldn't just go, oh, you know, my wife hates me, so... And, you know, she's turned all the kids against me, so I'm not going to do that anymore. What's the point? I just feel like, oh, there's a lot of hurt there. And, you know, and there might be, but you haven't felt it. Your refusal to forgive all that hurt now causes you to hurt your own child who now has a whole heap of hurt to forgive you for. You know, a person who loves wouldn't do that. A person who loves would go, doesn't matter how much my wife doesn't want my... My, me and my son or daughter's life, if I love my son or daughter, I am going to take actions to make sure that I at least have some interaction which demonstrates to that son or daughter that I love them. And I would do that. Like, I have done that. Like I've gone through a relationship breaker where my children were with my ex-partner and I had to do all that. And she tried to attempt me religiously and societally to stop having access to my boys. And so I went through all of those emotions. And it was very emotional. I chose to feel the feelings. And as a result, it was very quickly over a year, year and a year, 18 months, and it was all done. And then they came to live with me anyway. <laughs> and so I've been through all these emotions that... You've got to do the right ones, right? Yeah. Okay, let's go, keep going. So what we've done is come to some examples and perhaps what we need to do, rather than listing the examples that I've got here, we perhaps need to probably talk about some of your examples. Does that sound all right? So if you think of any examples now, now's the time to actually discuss some of them and we can, we can sort of work out what has to happen. Does that sound okay with you? So let's start with Barb down the front here. 
in the exercise I was talking about the other day of me not trusting my sisters um, and then my law of attraction reinforcing that I can't trust my sisters, mm-hmm. I needed to just forgive my sisters and then those law of attractions would Well, let, let's be more specific about what happened. Um, um, I'm the youngest of five girls. So you've got, you got five children, five girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're the youngest, so I'll draw them in every decreasing sizes. Yeah. Sorry about that, but then you might not be able to see them from the back. All right, so there's little Barb. Isn't she sweet? Yep, okay. And there's f- mum and dad. Yeah, and for some unknown reason, I became, it was said within the family, the favourite one. Although I never often felt that, but that's so what it was So the projection said. of emotions towards you was one of favour. Only from my father. From your father particularly. So, yes, okay, yes. Let's, let's just be more specific here because this is very important. My mother actually was jealous of the... Your mother was jealous? I yes. believe, yeah. Yeah. When, see, see, let's look at all of this dynamic-wise. Your father and your mother haven't got a good relationship. No, a violent one. Which is pretty normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> In most, when I say not violence is normal, but yep. not having a good relationship is pretty normal. So, so the husband and the wife, so there's something that the husband wasn't getting from the wife, which is probably sexual attention, right? Yeah. And approval. Yeah. I, I would, my mother would have classified having sex as a chore for yeah, sure. Yeah. So he's not getting... A Especially pers- after seven children. Yeah, he's not getting a person who really wants him, who no. wants him sexually, wants him emotionally. She, he's getting a person who's reluctantly involved, right? Now, he gets angry about that. He's sad about that, really, right? So he's sad. So he refuses to feel his sadness, right? Instead, what does he do is he get angry. So what does he do to your mum? Beats her. Beats her up. Right? So that's no good, is it? Right? But, of course, she's not seeing that him beating her is the direct result of her refusal to, to actually engage a man sexually. She doesn't even see that, right? She thinks that's normal. Right. So, so both of them have a problem there. She is refusing to give her relationship with someone else yep. and he is refusing to give his relationship with someone else so they attract each other and then this dynamic gets established. So, of course, your dad now doesn't have anybody who's giving him any sexual approval or attention or anything, right? So what does he do? Where does he get it from? Cute little Barbara. <laughs> exactly. So he starts getting it from there. He starts favouring one or more of his, you know, like if he had boys, he wouldn't favour the boys, right? No. He'd favour the girls. So the, the you boy. have, you've got boys in the family. The boys came next, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you've got boys, but Dad, no. not interested in the boys, right? Yeah. Okay, so, so he's favouring the last girl, right? By this stage, of course, the relationship between them is quite bad, right? Yes. So he's favouring you. So, so now he's got a whole heap of emotions towards you, right? So what does he want? He's wanting to groom you now into his surrogate wife, basically, without the sex. That's what he's trying to groom you into, isn't he? Yep. To give him a whole heap of emotions that he couldn't get from his wife because she was all shut down to those emotions. Yep. And he wanted that from her because of all of his harm from his... Yeah. But I, I also had to become the achiever in all of that as well. Of course, you had to prove yourself to your daddy, right? Right. You have to prove yourself to him. 
it's a codependent addiction. He's trying to say he's, he's giving you some things, but you've got to give him something in return. Right. Right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, and so in that, my sisters are getting um, jealous and angry of me. Why are they getting jealous? Because they're not getting the attention. Correct. They're not getting any attention from any male in the family, right? Yeah. They're not getting any validation as a girl or as a woman. They're not getting any like approval or acceptance because you're getting it all. So what did they do? Yeah. Um, oh, they played, you know, tricks and get angry with no, me. No, no, oh. no. Let's, let's reverse it a little. Okay. What did your mother do? My mother was jealous. And your mother was jealous. So she was jealous. What else? What um, did she do? I was at the end of the line as far as my mother was concerned. The sisters, the other sisters came before me as far as my mother was concerned. Okay, so you became the last on your mother's list. Yeah. Right? Therefore the least desired and wanted from your mother's from, perspective. From your mother's, yes, yeah, correct. From your mother's, yes. So your dad, you're the most desired and wanted, but yep. from your mother's perspective, you're the least desired and wanted. Yep, okay. true. Yes. So who modelled the bad treatment of uh -huh. your sisters towards you? My mother. Your mother. Uh -huh. She taught them how to treat you. Right. Do you get that? Yes, I she do. She taught them through her own will unwillingness to deal with her own, her own hurt. She created an addiction, was, which was get the woman who the man likes and treat her badly. That's what you do. That's how you feel good about yourself. That's how, that's how you treat them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And she modelled that behaviour to who? The other four children, the other four girls. So what, of course, will they start doing? Modelling the same behaviour. Modelling the same behaviour. Yeah. And then you develop what? How, there's, you've got to have some way of coping with this. So what do you do? Um... It was a bit of um, control and superiority and okay. fun. Your daddy's around. always saying you're a superior. So what you yeah. do is you rub it in. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So you say, I'm, I'm better than you girls. Yeah. You know, you can punish me all you like, but I know I'm better. Because daddy's taught you that you're better, right? Yeah. And it's also a rebellion against your mother's treatment of you. Yeah. But you're not seeing it as your mother. You're seeing it as... My sisters. Your sisters. Yes. So, so who do you have to forgive? Because my mother was very silent in all of this. I don't care how silent she was. <laughs> she was the main perpetrator of all of this behaviour. All of those girls perpetrated what your mother wanted to do to you but couldn't because if she did, what would have happened? Daddy would have smacked her around some more. More. Mm. Right? That's why she didn't do it. That's the only reason why. So she wanted to, but the only reason why she stopped doing it, didn't want to do it, didn't do it, is because she was afraid of your father. So what did she do instead? Approve of your sisters doing it for her. Mm. Mm. So now you have a lot of feelings towards your sisters about having done it. Of course, they also have a lot of feelings towards you. Right, because of the favouritism system with the father. Yeah, and I'm not innocent in it. Like of my projections towards my sisters were. Yes, that's right. You know, you played it out. But yes. what were you playing out? You were playing out the unhealed dynamic of the parents. So, 
what are all of your children have, going to have to do first? Forgive your parents. You're going to have to see what they did. See, at the moment, you're seeing each other and you're completely ignoring what your parents did. Yes. Did you see? And then you're saying, you've got to forgive me. I've got to, I've got to repent for what I did to you. You've got to repent for what you did to me and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is, what's the main problem? Nobody's facing the truth of what mum and dad did. No, because we were considered the Brady Bunch, you know, well, <laughs> in, the, in the public's eye. <laughs> all of you are not facing the truth of what mum and dad did. Yeah. And then after um, both mum and dad died and dad died later, yep. the anger that came up in the family amongst the siblings was of course. massive. Of course. The boys are totally ostracised, totally removed from this entire thing because they don't, like mum hates them and dad doesn't want them, right? So they're like the end of the chain and then all the fights between the girls are going to flare up because the only controlling factor before then was daddy's approval and it's all gone. Mm, mm. Of course it's going to end up in a great big fight, mm. Mm. right? Mm. These are the dynamics. So then my law of attraction then with sisters in my later life, Yeah. okay, things like um, um, a great girlfriend who, um, you know, said that, wanted me to be her sister because she didn't have any other sisters and then two weeks later um, throws me out on the street. Yeah. And so, therefore, okay, I can't trust my sisters. Correct. She didn't love me like she said she loved me. Yep, yep. Keep going. <laughs> Workmates. Um, I always found in the work environment and in a lot of environments, particularly when I was younger, not when I got so older, yep. um, there was always a jealousy. Um, Correct. So, you, yeah. so who did you have a relationship with in your all, work environment? All the men, all not the, men. the women. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You're just acting out the exact same pattern with your daddy. Yeah. Right, and then of course the women project all their jealousy and all their yeah. anger and rage at you as well, and yeah. you just say, "Well, that's what women are like." Yes, that's why I like men. Yes, yes, because <laughs> <laughs> that's what women are like, right? But you're not seeing that you're attracting all of that mess yeah. because of the refusal to f- actually face the truth about the dynamic going on between mum and dad and how it affected you truly emotionally. I always thought when I got older that would stop because then I wouldn't be so attractive or, you know, interested by men. So the women wouldn't be jealous of me anymore and these things wouldn't happen anymore. So so in other words, you're saying all of these attractions are based on my body. (laughs) That's why they were jealous. It's got nothing to do with my soul and the emotions. It's just all my body. Once my body's all decrepit and all, uh, it'll all stop then. I used to put my age up by 10 years. (laughs) It doesn't work, right? I'm finding that now. It's in your soul. Yeah. It's in your soul. You see, all the damage is in your soul. It's going to continue the rest of your life. It's going to, when you die, it's going to be in the spirit world as well. Keep going. So my first step in that is forgiving my parents. You've got to first come to see what they've done. Yes. You, you're not even wanting to do that. No, that's true. Like, you're happy to see what your sisters have done, but you don't see the real cause of it. And you see, if you can't, you see, forgiveness and repentance is all about seeing the real cause. Yeah. You can't, you can't forgive something that's not the cause. So I have to um, see my parents' injuries that they caused, forgive them for that, then I have to repent to my brothers and sisters. Yeah, and they towards you. But that, yeah. that, once you forgive all of these things, you'll find repentance an automatic process because your, your avoidance of repentance towards your sisters is all about your hurt with your dad and your mum. And mine not willing to and, see it. And once, you, yeah, once you're willing to see all that and go through all of that, repentance for whatever you did towards your sisters will automatically happen. 
Because you'll understand it all. And I've been trying to repent to my sisters. Of course. And that's not working. Yeah, do you know why? You know why you've been trying to repent towards your sisters? It's easier. Because you don't want to feel the pain associated with your mum and dad. Yeah. You don't want to go through that. You don't want to actually assign the forgiveness towards the people who created the problem. You don't want to. Right? So you're resistive towards that. So the law of compensation and the law of attraction are all working to get Barb to go, it's not your sisters, it's not your sisters. It's not your sisters, it's your mum and dad. If, it, if you forgave the right people, the, the whole treatment will stop. So if you're trying to forgive somebody who never caused those particular problems, then the treatment's going to continue until you face the fact that actually, wow, the whole reason why it's continuing is because I've forgiven the wrong, tried to forgive the wrong people. And that's because I don't want to face the truth about who actually did this and the actual emotions involved with my mum and dad and the actual feelings my mum actually has and the actual feelings my dad actually has and the actual feelings that I absorbed and how hurt that felt and how bad that felt. Does that make sense? So that causes you to ignore completely. It's like in your mind that's not the issue even. True. In your, in your mind the issue is... Your sisters and how they treat you. That's your issue. And, and I sort of, and this is in avoidance of it too. See, my elder sister was responsible for bringing me up. She was eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I then thought, well, my mother really wasn't involved at all in any of this because my sister brought me up. How was she not involved? I know, because I'm only denying it, aren't I? Totally, yeah. Total denial. So you're at, you're at, you know, the deconstruction of the facade or the deconstruction process, you're at denial, the first point, when it comes to this issue. So you think that you're, you're sitting home analysing all this stuff going on my sisters, I have to repent towards my sisters, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, and you're analysing all this, and I know you've talked about it with me before, and, and actually it's, it's the wrong thing you're talking about, Right? The real thing that you need to talk about is what you're in complete denial of, which is how mum and dad interacted with you and what dynamic that created in the rest of the family. And not only that, me um, attaching myself to my father like that and and wanting that special treatment and being special in the family, there's a lot of repentance I need to do to my brothers and sisters because they felt that so... Why? 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 How old were you when this dynamic was established? Uh, under three, probably. So three. you're saying you've got to repent for something you did under three years of age. Is this what you're telling me? No, I carried it on for the rest of my I life. I know you carried on the rest of your life, but you're telling me that you have to repent for the fact that you, this all got established by the time you were three. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. No, you don't. But, but you, my brothers and sisters have suffered terribly because of it. No, they haven't suffered because of you. They've suffered because of your parents. You see? See, all, 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 the trouble is they think the same way you do, and that is that you think that you've suffered because of them, and they think they've suffered because of you, and even you think you've suffered, they've suffered because of you. And the reality is, no, you've all suffered because of your parents and their inability to actually go through forgiveness and repentance. That's why you've all suffered. By the time you're three years of age... You can't say that you're now responsible for the choices of your father or your mother. 
Does that make sense? And you're trying to be responsible for it. I said, why is that? Because it's preferable to you. And why is it preferable to you? Because it was preferable to your mum and dad for you to blame you. It still is like if you feel them in the spirit world, they still prefer to blame you. They haven't got any responsibility for creating such a mess. <laughs> it's their mess. Right? But you're unwilling to see their mess. Yeah, Babe, you'd like to make a comment? If we just hand the mic across... I think, Barb, the thing that you're missing... You want to probably face that one at Barb? At Barb, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> there's one camera facing at you already. Oh, no, it's facing you, yeah. Um, the, I think the thing that you're missing is that your own suffering in that dynamic. You see that your, your brothers and sisters suffered because you were favoured, but you're not seeing how difficult it was for you being favoured. You're seeing that it was preferential for you, but I feel when you actually connect to those feelings, you feel it was quite a burden. Very and, much a burden. And it yeah. wasn't actually nice. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the whole reason why your mother treated you so badly was because of your father's favour. <laughs> so can you see that in a line created a huge burden for you? And then I had to come the achiever within the family as well. Yeah, for your father, that, for that my was father. Though, to maintain yeah. approval for your father. Yeah, yeah. Because your mum didn't care less, right? She was just she she would have preferred that you did nothing for the rest of your life. <laughs> right? Thank you, AJ. Yeah. Um. Can you see how mixed up we get? We just get so mixed up with this, right? And we 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 trying to forgive people that we need to repent. Uh, for and we're trying to forget, if, repent for things that we should be forgiving people for and it's no wonder we're so mixed up about it so we give the whole thing up and we try to intellectually analyse the whole thing and before we know it we're in such a great big mess because there's a whole heap of things we're refusing to accept that's always the dynamic okay uh, let's uh, Paul, you want to have a go? I'm wondering about the process of repenting for my kids, the damage I've caused to them. Yeah. Uh, especially in pandering to their mother. Right, okay, let's go through that. Especially in pandering to their mother. Because what's happening in Paul's family is that particularly the male, but also both your sons and your daughter, are struggling, getting attention from their mother, aren't they? And getting what I'd call love from their mother. So let's look at Paul's life. Let's look at your parents, Paul. What what was mum and dad like? Um, Dad was angry and controlling and mum was passive and pleasing. Yeah, so she was passive and pleasing. Yeah. And did she like your dad very much? I don't think so. No, no. So what did she do when she had some children? What, how many children? Eleven. Eleven? That's a lot of children, isn't it? How, how many boys, how many girls? Eight girls, three boys. Four times girls. Uh, sorry, three times. I don't know where I got four from. So three times girl, uh, boys. And which one are you? I'm the sixth child, number, uh, number six. In the number uh, of boys? Uh, last boy. You're the last boy. All right, so Paul's the last boy. And then there's uh, eight girls, is that right? 
Okay. So what did my, your mum decide to do with you? Um, uh, make me special. Yeah, so she made you special. Why did she make you special? Um, because uh, because she wasn't of dad. getting that from him, was he? Yeah, she, she yeah. wasn't getting that from the man. Of course, she attracted that man in the first place to try to get that from him, right? But of course, that didn't work. She instead attracted the man who just abused abusive with her, and so she's not getting her emotional addiction met, her emotional addiction, and she doesn't want to release the pain that she has about not being the man's favourite. She doesn't want to do that. So, so she's avoiding that. So what does she do? She grabs one of the boys and the last boy, by the time the last boy comes along, right, you, or by the time, you know, four or five children have happened, she's really, really quite bitterly upset with her husband, right? Isn't she? You imagine? She's not getting in love. She's getting anger, disapproval from him all the time. So she's pretty upset by now with him. So she's not wanting to give him anything. <laughs> and she wants to create the perfect boy, right? So what does she do? She gets the last boy and she grooms him. What does she groom him to become? Any ideas? Huh? Deidre, you want to have a step? Like the surrogate husband. Yeah, all the things that she's not getting from her husband and never got from her father, she wants from this man, this boy. And she sucks him dry with it. Yep. So what does he grow up learning to do? Well, Paul can answer that. What did you grow up learning to do with women? Being a good boy. Being, being, yeah, being pleasing. Give them whatever they want, right? And this woman is by this stage pretty angry, even though it's suppressed pretty angry and rageful, but she can't be overtly angry and rageful because she'd just get more anger back, right, wouldn't she? So she's pretty angry and rageful towards men. She's created the perfect boy to feed all of her addictions that she's not getting met through any other source. And so he grows up in this state. So you've grown up in this state where now you bend over backwards to help any woman, right? And you'll please them and please them and please them. So you get married. So here now we talk about the dynamic of your Marriage. So you get married. Who do you attract? Uh, an angry woman. An angry woman, yeah, of course. Who you... Pander to. Pander to. Okay. In pandering to her, you make her even more of a person who believes that she's right, you're wrong, she's good, you're bad... In pandering to her, you're, you're basically telling her that everything she thinks is good and everything that you do for her is because you love her and care about her. and like She becomes the focus of the entire family's attention. So then you have children. How many? Three children. Three children, two boys. Yep, eldest two are boys. And one girl. Yep. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you think the kids are feeling from this, from this relationship now? What are they feeling? Bob, you want to have a step? Uh, you've got to please the woman. Exactly. If you don't please the woman, what happens? She's going to get angry. She's going to get angry. Right? And daddy models that behaviour. Right? So by the time these boys, they get, because it's so intense now, by the time these boys get to just young teenage years, they're now starting to feel what? What are they starting to feel? 
There's all this pressure on them to become like dad. Right? And all dad does is actually feed the woman's addictions. He doesn't even honour them. So what, what are they starting to feel through this process? What do you think, Joy? Starting to feel what? Well, that they're not as important and what they, their wills and desires aren't as important as the woman's, that everything's got to be suppressed to meet the woman's needs. Yeah, but so what are they going to feel about their sister? Um, they could be resentful. Resentful, jealous, right? Jealous, yeah. yeah. They'll be always trying to get mummy's approval because they never have it because okay. she's angry with men. And, and daddy wants mummy's approval too, right? So do they get much of dad's attention? No. No. So after a while, can you see the anger from that situation would build up in them, wouldn't it? Eventually they get quite angry about mm. that, don't you think? Yeah. So of course they're going to get angry. Yeah. And then, of course, when they get angry, the woman says to the man, you fix that. <laughs> you know, they're all angry. They're, how dare they? You know? And he says, hey, how dare they? Bang, bang, bang. Or how dare they? You, know, you shouldn't do that. Or how dare they? You know, sit them down, have a chat with them for the woman. You know. Because she, she shouldn't have to do all that because she, you know, she doesn't want to do any of that. Yeah, yeah, everything's revolved around placating her anger. Correct. In, in, the, everything. in, the, in the family. Yeah. Everything, yeah. And now everything is revolved around placating that. Now, now, the question you asked was, what do I do about repentance towards my children? Well, what's the source of the problem? Um, um, my mother's relationship with me. Yes, that's one of the sources. So you've got your mother and relationship with your mother, which you have refused and refused to forgive. Yeah. And yeah. what's the other part of the problem? Um, my neediness. Um, is it that I put um, the angry woman before the children, and and, and I don't. Yeah, yeah, you I did, don't. But you did all of that because of the relationship with your mother, right? Mm. You, you got taught to do that. Yeah, it's your natural response. Yeah, yeah, it's your addiction, but it's but it's natural because it was taught to you at such a young age. It was a part of your facade. It's what you had to do. Yeah, right. So, what's the other half of the equation, though? Is her your wife's treatment, <laughs> isn't oh. it? What oh. does she do? Her treatment of our children. Well, no, how she was treated. Oh, yeah, okay. Isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, some male or some female in her life taught yeah. her that women are like goddesses, yeah. Yeah. men and other plebs are. Yeah, that's right. Who serve them. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. That's what she was taught. Yeah. She's going to have to work her way through that. Yeah. Right? Now, you focus on you because you can't focus on her, there's nothing you can do about her. Right, so what do you do? Can you see that if you forgave your mother, the feelings in you that cause you to pander to angry women would disappear? Yep. Can you see that? Yep. So the very first thing you need to do is go mm. through forgiveness of your mother. Yeah, okay. Because you, 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 it's going to be impossible for you to repent towards your children if you still have the same feelings that you should serve a woman like this. And, and the reality is you do have the same feelings. Yeah. Right now, you know you do. Yeah. Right? And while that feeling remains in you, how can you repent? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. So what, one of the first things you're going to have to do is forgive your mother. Mm. Can you see soon after you've forgiven your mother, all the reasons inside of you 
as to why you pander to angry women will disappear. Yeah. Now you will be open to go to your boys and say, right, I'm going to show you how to actually deal with this problem. See, at the moment, you can't show them because you're still in the feeling of wanting to pander to them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you still attract women who are angry and you still, you still, you know, bow mm. to their desires and wants and needs. Yeah. Yeah? That's what you do. So, so until you, and remember, so if you think about all the conversations we've ever had, what have I said to you every time? Was was about this? Was about this? Yeah, uh, neediness for women and, and and attracting angry women and pleasing and. So all I've been that trying stuff. to point you in this direction. How long now? Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah. yeah. Mm. See, see, there's a reason why I say things to people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I've been trying to say to Paul, Paul, you, he's so focused on his kids and the damage he's doing to his kids, and that's well and good, right? It is good to see the damage you're doing to your kids, but you're not seeing the reason for the damage is the relationship with you and your mother. Mm. And that once you resolve that relationship and, and remove from within you the reason, the hurt inside of you with women about that thing, what will happen is the feeling of that hurt will disappear. You will have forgiven your mother and you will no longer see pandering to a woman as a valid option. Mm. You'll know, and particularly to an angry woman, you would never do it, ever. Mm. Right? And as soon as that occurred, you would now be modelling to your children the correct behaviour with an angry woman immediately. And as soon as that occurred, you would probably also very rapidly go through repentance about what you've done to your children. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the real cause is the lack of forgiveness at your mother. Yeah. And that's why I've been saying to you for four years that it's such an important thing to deal with. Yeah. Yep. Without you addressing that particular issue, this other issue, the, the, the feelings you feel of culpability towards your children about what you've modelled for them can't disappear because the emotion inside of you is still, va- is still saying you need to pander to the angry woman. Even, no matter what words you have, mm. the emotion's going, you need to pander to the angry woman. Yeah. And while that emotion's coming out of you, even talking to them is dangerous because you're actually modelling hypocrisy because you still have the feeling that you should pander yeah. while at the same time telling them they shouldn't. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, once you emotionally stop pandering you'll find your boys in particular will rapidly model their mm. behaviour on yours. Yeah. Yeah. But until then, they're going to be bitter and twisted with both of you, with both mm. parents. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Make sense? Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Does that help in terms of an interaction? You can see what's going on there. Is this helping in terms of understanding what the principles are? Yeah. So, so now, Paul... Has this woman damaged Paul further, really? Not very much, eh? Not really. He was already damaged before she met him. In fact, he wouldn't have probably met her if he wasn't already damaged. Can you see that? So, So in a way, he needs to repent towards her. Does that make sense? He needs to repent towards her for... Attracting her into his life and adding to the mess. Uh, who does he need to forgive? His mother. And who does the other person he needs to repent towards? His children. Not his daughter. Who said his daughter? 
Who do you think's Paul's favourite? I'm saying all of his children he needs to repent towards. But who do you think has got the most damage from this? The daughter or the sons? The sons. Right? Not the daughter. Why? Because the daughter gets mum's approval for being a girl and she gets dad's approval for being a girl and she gets daddy pandering to her, her every need. So of course she's going to have less feelings of anger and rage and other feelings like that, right? She gets whatever she wants. It's the boys that don't get anything out of this emotionally. Do you see that? Yeah. Okay. Want to have another break? Must be time for one, I think. I've been going for another hour, I think. Yeah. So what's the time? Twelve. Twenty to three. Okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, I, actually, um, hmm. twenty to three. Um, <laughs> What happened in all that time? <laughs> I, must, I must have been having fun somewhere. Um, mm, 20 to 3. I, I think it's probably good to discuss with the entire group, isn't it, illustrations of this rather than probably doing the... Uh, well, rather than doing the personal truth sessions today. So what we could do is we could put... What we were thinking of doing with our personal truth sessions is putting our personal truth sessions on to Thursday and Friday in particular, and what we'll do is we'll stagger them in amongst your homework. Does that make sense? So sort of do, home, do a bit of homework work and then we sit down and discuss something on the same subject, preferably. So we'll try and pick our personal truth sessions on the similar subjects. So that's probably what we should do. Um, so, so what if... We just have a break now. It's 2.30. Um, it's now 20 till dinner. What if we just have another, maybe one or two examples before dinner and then that's it for today. Um, but I haven't covered with you the other part, which is another hour and a half discussion. Um, well, maybe we won't even get to that, actually. Um, yeah, we, we are discussing some of it now, so... Okay, so, all right. Um, yeah, there's, there comes a time, too, when I get tired of talking, so... Um, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what if, what if we have a break now for five or ten? Uh, five minutes, let's make it so we can go to the toilet and come back. And uh, we'll just continue for another half an hour, maybe, and then we'll just stop, and uh, then it'll be, be dinner time anyway. But I-